We've been talking a lot on this podcast about the greatest football player of all time, Lionel Messi, and his epic stateside move. Now you can join Messi as he embarks on his historic next chapter with Apple TV Plus's new documentary series, Messi Meets America. Follow along Messi's journey as he takes North America and Major League Soccer by storm, ushering in a new era with his inner Miami teammates. This series is streaming now only on Apple TV+. Guess who I picked to win MLS Cup? I picked Columbus. Yeah. And uh, it, not listen, it, it may not. I mean, your picks may not happen either. <laughs> you don't, you don't know. That's the beauty of this thing, right? You go with your, you go with either, either logic, your heart, whatever. You have an emotional attachment to something. You're wrong with it. Whatever, Marisa, do we get it? You picked Columbus Crew to win MLS Cup. Sasha Klushin and I didn't believe it. We owe you one. Welcome back. It's another episode of Offside with me, Taylor Twelman. I am taping this as I am knees deep into clothes packing my suitcase. I should pack long underwear, shouldn't I? No, it's going to be 60 degrees because I am off to Columbus later on today. The weather should be beautiful. The game should be even better. After a memorable pair of conference finals, the 2023 MLS Cup is finally set. Cucho Hernandez, Diego Rossi, and the Columbus crew stage an improbable comeback at FC Cincinnati after Christian Ramirez's 115th-minute winner. Bellino, back post, Cucho, and then Ramirez has done it! Means the Columbus crew now host Denis Bawanga, Carlos Vela, in the reigning MLS champs LAFC. And in the city of angels, look who has wings again. Flying high, this time to Ohio, and a return trip to MLS Cup. Coverage starts Saturday at 3 o'clock Eastern with kickoff at 425. It's free for everyone. Let me say that again. It's free for everyone, and you can only watch it in one place. MLS season pass on Apple TV. No, I really love this game. I think in large part, it's going to be better than last year's epic final between the Philadelphia Union and LAFC, in part because these teams have not seen much of each other in recent time, just three competitive meetings ever, but none with Steve Trombolo and none with Will for Nancy. So today, to help me ask and answer the questions that will shape this game, we're joined by the Athletics Pablo Maurer and returning to the show, Sasha Clushton. Plus, we've got a little exclusive to finish the episode today. My interview with Don Garber about the 2023 MLS season and the direction of this league. But first... Pablo and Sasha. All right, gentlemen, let's get right into it. I just want to do a little recap and get your observations. Let's start with Cincinnati, Columbus. Pablo, I want to start with you. I don't think people fully understood. Cincinnati had the flu bug go through their entire team. They were missing players throughout the week. Then all of a sudden, 65th minute comes. Patrick Schulte makes the save of his life, and Columbus come back. What was your biggest takeaway from that game? I thought back on their their League's Cup game, actually, against Miami. Yep. I remember after that game, it, w- it was so gutting the way they lost, the sort of, you know, the, the potential of that for them um, to knock off a sort of c- Cinderella story. And I remember thinking in the press conference, man, this could sort of have a knock-on effect of the rest of the season. They seemed to bounce back, but I, I just got the same feeling after that Columbus game where I was like, God, this is so brutal. You know, these two losses in the same year, it's just, just tough. But yeah, like like you said, I mean, 
they seem to have their thumb on that game, and then it just sort of switched off. You know, you saw players cramp it up. You saw Lucho Acosta, obviously one of my favorite players, but but very much seems to be an 80, 85-minute player sometimes, yep. you know. Yep, yep. Um, it, was, it was just tough to watch. I mean, I think Cincy at times looked like the better team, but at the end of the day, that, that obviously doesn't always matter. No, it's amazing too, Sasha, when you think about it. And I think Pat Noonan was very transparent. And I would say he owned it. However, I argued with him after the game. If Bupenza scores, it's 3-0, and you push all the right buttons. I think Lucha Costa should have been subbed out of the game, or instead of bringing on Dominic Baggi, you should have brought on a midfielder. But more importantly, Columbus is relentless for 100-plus minutes. They are a tough out, aren't they? Columbus, listen, the mentality of Columbus to stay in that game, to not give up, is is remarkable because that comeback on the road that showed a lot of grit and a lot of courage from that team. Having said that, Bupenza had two chances to make yes, it 3-0. Yep. Schulte makes a very good save in the 51st minute, an unbelievable save where he reads the play really well. Uh, but the second one where Bupenza ends up scoring with his hand and it gets called back for a handball, he has to score that rebound. Agreed. And that's 3-0 and that's game over. And that's the exact same thing they had against Miami in the Open Cup that Pablo just spoke about. They yep. had chances in that game to make it 3-0. They did. And they, they didn't did. do it. So as I look forward to the Cup, when LAFC has a lead and they have chances to make it 2-3-0, and they're going to make it happen. And and there was a, the, the thing with Columbus in that game their rest defense, in my opinion, was awful. Cincinnati mm-hmm. had chances from the first five minutes of the game. Every time the ball turned over, it was like a three against three going the other way with Bupenza, Vasquez, and Acosta. And Cincinnati, usually good on the counterattack, was not good on the counterattack in that game. Open Cup, Sasha, you're right. Not uh, not League's Cup. Sorry, this, this season has been 600 years o- long, open I feel cup, like, yes, with uh, yes, yes. 15 <laughs> different uh, competitions. So. It's only been 613 games, Pablo. Exactly. I can't believe you got that wrong. Pablo, I want you to put a bow on it, though, because I said this at the end of the game, and I believe it. Matt Miazga has to feel like absolute dog shit right now because (laughs) the fact of the matter is if Matt Miazga is fit and he's ready and he's there and he doesn't get suspended, they win that game. What did you make of the entire Matt Miazga situation and how it unfolded? Yeah, I mean, look, I think that we've been lost. Uh, The narrative around that entire incident has very much been sort of trying to parse the specifics of what happened, whether he was forcibly removed from the locker room or just Agreed. left on his own volition. At the end of the day, you don't you do not do what he did. It's a massive uh, lapse in judgment. Um, a tre- <clears throat> tremendous player, but not the first time he's done something stupid. I mean, when you see, you know, Pat Noonan got right up there and said it, you know, he's got to know yep. better. Um, clearly, he he just lost his shit. You know what I mean? And it's it, it obviously had a huge effect on on Cincy going forward. And yeah, I mean, it's impossible to know whether they win that game, but you have to think, obviously, it's a little bit sounder <clears throat> centrally defense. Um, may, maybe they pull that out. So yeah, I'm, I'm sure he feels deservedly bad, you know? I'm sure his teammates well, I think feel, you, I think feel you deservedly you're gonna angry. You're going to learn a lot you know? about him. Agreed. Yeah, yeah, you're going to sure. learn a yeah. lot about me, Matt Miazga for me. I think he could become a real leader. He can learn from this. He could be motivated. It's going to get him into the national team if he turns the corner. But if he's fit and healthy, Elvis Powell then is coming off the bench. It just is a it's a double down effect because then it happens there. Let's move on to LAFC Houston. Sasha, Steve Terundolo is just the third coach in MLS history to qualify for the MLS Cup final in his first two seasons. Bruce Arena, 96-97, Brian Schmetzer, 16-17. 
You and I have spent many hours looking at LAFC, their disappointments along the way, but it almost feels like this was the sole purpose of the season was to defend MLS Cup. They're in the MLS Cup. Pretty professional performance, I would say, from them against the Houston Dynamo. It was a very good performance. They limited the Houston Dynamo's attack uh, really well. I think the best chance Houston has the whole game is in the first five to ten minutes on that little left-footed clip from Hector Herrera to the back post to Corey Baird, which is a difficult volley at a tough angle. Other than that, the defense has been very good, and that has been the key to this LAFC team. Chiellini has been great. The guy is unbelievable. Uh, Murillo has been good. Hollingshead shows up at the right place at the right time all the time, it seems like. So I've been very impressed by this team. My question throughout the entire season was, can they actually control a game with the mm-hmm. midfield? Steve Trundolo doesn't care. That's just not the way they play anymore. It's, nope. it's purely in transition. It's relying upon Buanga and now Oliveira and Vela dropping off that back line, and, and it's working for them. So I've been very impressed. As I look towards the cup, and I talked just a moment ago about rest defense from Columbus, if Carlos Vela is the one dropping off that back line and you're not going tight with him and he's picking up the ball and able to turn and look forward and now find Buanga and Oliveira on the run, it's problems for Columbus. So I'm very, very excited for this final and LAFC deserves to be there. They haven't given up a goal since that first game against Vancouver in the playoffs. Sasha, it's amazing to think the number one free agent signing in Major League Soccer was Aaron Long and they had three teams going after him and now he's the third center back because Chiellini is 72 years old and he still (laughs) apparently is the best center back partnership with Murillo. I think these are the two teams that play into the strengths of each other but also play into the weakness of each other and I would be stunned if we don't get a game for the soccer purists, that is perfect. But Pablo, I want to start with you because Sasha wasn't here at that moment or were you, you may have been in Orlando, but the point being is save the crew was only five years ago, Pablo. Yeah. Five years ago. And it feels like 10, 15 years ago because of what the Haslam's have done. Tim Bezmachenko has been fantastic. Lower.com field is not old crew stadium. It's one of the best stadiums in this league. Pablo, it is remarkable how that Save the Crew movement, for lack of a better word, is now turning into their third final in, what, nine, ten years? Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a remarkable turnaround. Um, I mean, I, I sort of, again, I mean, I think as a journalist, you're generally impartial, but I can't help but pull for the crew a little bit, given sort of, like I said, the trajectory of the last five years, the fact that they feel... Still, to me, very much like an MLS 1.0 team. I actually don't mean that in a bad way, to be clear. Obviously, they have a brand new stadium. Um, They spend plenty of money. They play maybe the most attractive soccer in MLS. They have a head coach in Wilfred Nancy, who, you know, I said last week that to to me, he's like every musician's favorite band, like that kind of thing. I mean, I did a a, a Q&A. Yeah, I did a Q&A with him in preseason and was just sort of taken with his approach to the game and his approach to life, that sort of stuff. I feel like he's the kind of coach as a fan you want. He he says all the things that many coaches say, like, we want to entertain, we want to have the ball, but then they actually go out and do it, right? Um, So yeah, uh, this is a huge opportunity for them, obviously, to put another kind of mile marker in their history. And yeah, it is absolutely wild to think about the fact that five, six, seven years ago, their scoreboard was on fire and that's... And the team was about to leave. 
not a bad, not a bad little uh, little half decade run, you know. No, it, it's a great story though, too, because the league is better. Austin came about this. Columbus now with new ownership. We're now going to be there for their third final in nine years. We're going to go back there next year with an All Star game that more than likely is going to have the likes of Messi and Busquets and whatnot. The world's going to be watching that. Sasha Wilford Nancy has caught my attention. Two reasons why. First and foremost, he's a degenerate golfer so he won me over at the beginning of the year when all of a sudden we were talking about how he approaches his golf game which when you think about him Sasha as a manager you'd be like there's no way he wants to play golf or he'd be intrigued by golf but it's the chaos of golf that won him in and I love the way he goes about games and the reason why Sasha's second reason he doesn't talk about the opposition they play until the day before the game I love that. Well, it's because it's all about them. It's in that he's always been that way, is that the game is about us and the way that we play the game. And, and yes, I love that about him too. I wondered before the playoffs started if he needed to be a little bit more pragmatic in the yes. playoffs. We kind of yep. asked him that question a few times on 360. And he was like, yeah, we're, we're, we're worried about us. Like the way that we play and like we are going to do our thing. And I was like, all right, man, good luck to you. I don't know if it's going to really work in the playoffs against some of these tough teams in the East. But so much credit to him because it has. And he's been a great interview. I saw the clip of him yesterday in this press conference talking about Chiellini. I know Chiellini because I showed my players how Chiellini was defending when he was in Juventus. Because for me, with the duo with Chiellini and uh, Bonucci, was one of the master class in terms of uh, how to defend and how to do the box defending. How he was showing his players clips of Chiellini a couple of years ago, just and the respect that he has for him, the, for the joy that Chiellini plays the game, which is amazing because it is wonderful to see how Chiellini is in Major League Soccer because sometimes these foreigners come in and aren't like that. When I talk my values, a uh, few few words really important for me is compete and joy. And Kirini, this is exactly the characteristic of these two words. I love him, to be honest with you, as a center back. So it's been very fun to watch Nancy. Obviously, his Montreal team played the same way last year. I think he's got better talent on this team, so it's easier to, to coach it that way. But it's been very fun to watch. It's been a blast. Sasha, I want your opinion as an ex-player. This will be... The 53rd game for LAFC, only the 46th for Columbus. We saw Columbus, how fit they were in the second half against Cincinnati in overtime, also against Orlando City the week before. Does fatigue play any part of this, or do you think the international break allowed both teams to recalibrate and get fit again? I think the international break helps, especially the players on LAFC. They got four days off. They came back to training. They had two days off again, and they got two days off again. They've had their time to recover. Plus, it's the final. You can see the finish line. You, you've you got 90 or 120 minutes left until you go on vacation. So you give it your all. And I, I don't think the fitness will play a factor like it did in the Eastern Conference final where we did see Cincinnati fall flat towards the end, but you spoke about it earlier that they had a flu going through uh, their team, which can really negatively affect the body, obviously. It did. Pablo, I want to talk about Wilford Nancy and then Steve Cherundolo together, but Wilford Nancy stuck out to me and you spent time with him. Eerily similar to me as Patrick Vieira. And the reason why I'm saying that is you've got a French manager, you've got a background of playing in, in Europe, 
but more so the way he approached the MLS player was way more positive than some of the American coaches. Look at Matan, for example. Caleb Porter would tell me multiple times he can't get it done. I asked Will for Nancy, 10 seconds in, he's like, oh no, he's a good player, but I got to play him in a better position and put him in spots to succeed. You ask him about the American player, the MLS player, the, the Central American player, it's always of a positive mindset. Did that catch you by eye at all? Because a lot of these foreign people that come in, and even the American coaches, it's negative first, positive, maybe second. Wilfred and Patrick Vieira, it was always the opposite. Yeah, I was I was struck. I, I do remember again speaking to him before he was at, you know at the beginning of the year in preseason, and, and I remember him you know was asking about how Columbus plays and how he wants them to play, and he said that um, possession based and you know, sort of the way their defenders, you know, move the ball for that sort of stuff was very much based on who he was as a player. And he said, I was slow. Mm. You know, I couldn't like, we had to move the ball quickly. We had the ball because I just, you know, we didn't have like the talent to play any differently. And I think he's shown throughout the entire year. I mean, he does like, he knows how to sort of accentuate the strengths and weaknesses of his players. Mm-hmm. You know, he is, like I said, by all, by all counts, adored by his players as well. Maybe, maybe it is in part due to what you just said, that he doesn't even talk about the other team until the day before the game. But, um, yep. and he does have, I got to be honest with you, like just like Patrick Vieira did, sort of like a mysticism to him in the way that he approaches the game and talks about the game where uh, Thierry Henry has it too. Maybe it's just French dudes. I have no idea. You know, like uh, maybe, maybe it's as simple as I listen to somebody with a French accent talk about soccer and I'm like, oh, this <laughs> sounds so pretty, but... Um, he does. He, he sort of thinks about the larger elements of the game while also drilling down and getting very technical with it, but sort of more, you know, it seem, he seems more focused on the feeling of the game, the, you know, on inspiring uh, players and fans, that sort of stuff. And, you know, Pablo, are you surprised at all, Steve Chirondolo? The fact that two years into this, that he's just back to back to back MLS Cups? Not, not terribly, no. Um, okay. And why is I, that? Uh, I mean, he was always, he was always sort of a, a thinker and successful as a player, you know. Um, I don't know. It, it would be nice to see LFC, LAFC play a little differently, like a little more entertainingly, yep. not seed so much of the ball, not be sort of a team that, that you know, operates almost exclusively in transition, that sort of stuff. But, but you know, whatever. It's obviously working for them, you know. Clearly, like you said, I mean, my, my biggest thing going into the final is you have these two teams. You look at the way LAFC played against Houston, they basically just let them have the ball entirely, you look at Columbus, they're obviously super possession-oriented. They have the highest possession percentage in the league. I do think it's going to be a fascinating matchup between two teams that are similar in some ways and just absolute polar opposites in others, you know. I agree. Sasha, before we let you go, your biggest X factor in this game is what? And I have a feeling you're going to say Carlos Vela. I've got a few, you know. I, Carlos Vela would be one because if I you like. Sit I, on the fence. I am cutting this part off the podcast. Answer I'm gonna the question: give you a, What's your biggest X factor, you knucklehead? I'm going to give you three X factors. Okay, <laughs> I did Car- ask for three. <laughs> Carlos Vela is one. I'm telling you, in rest defense, if Columbus does not get tight to Carlos Vela and he has time and space to make the right decision. Honestly, in Major League Soccer, only Lionel Messi makes the right decision more than Carlos Vela does, in my opinion. So when he has a chance to make decisions with the ball with time and space, there's the old saying, give a bad player time and space, he'll show you how bad he is. Give a good player time and space, he will kill you. That was written after me, Sasha. You know that, right? The bad player. (laughs) (laughs) So he'll kill you. 
The other X factor is set pieces, which I give the edge so much to LAFC, and, yeah. and they've shown to be so dangerous on set pieces in the final last year, in the playoffs this year. And then the other question that I have is, Nancy, is he going to start Christian Ramirez or does he remain a super sub? And who starts at right wing back? Is it Gressel or is it Farsi? These are some big questions that I think we're going to be asking of Nancy on Saturday. Pablo, biggest X factor in the game. And I know you're going to give me one answers to make this, you know, kind of fun. So, um, I mean, I, it's honestly it's Sasha's last point, you know, I think because of, because it was so pivotal last game. I mean, so Agreed. I, I mean, does Nancy want this sort of pace and athleticism of Farsi or does he want a much more technical player in Gressel obviously one of the better crossers of the ball in MLS he, Sasha mentioned set pieces obviously excels there too you know um uh, so I'm, I'm very curious to sort of see see what direction he goes there I think me personally I mean I just would start Gressel frankly like I just think he has so much quality in the ball generally that you know if Columbus are going to let to boss the game and take Control of it early, get an early goal, you know, a couple early goals, whatever. You saw the difference he made the second he, you know, in five, six key passes, you know, he's just a, a total game changer in the last game. So he changed the game completely. But Bowanga's on that side. I would be stunned if he doesn't play Farsi from the beginning. Uh, last one, we got Don Garber coming up here in a little bit. If you guys had to ask Don Garber one question, what would it be? I'm going to ask him, how does Lionel Messi change the way the rosters are going to be unveiled in 2024? Sasha, what would you ask Don Garber? How soon is there going to be a team in Las Vegas? Just seems like that's the next step in all pro sports across the United States, and it, it seems like it's going to be the next spot. No, honestly, that's the question you ask is good. Uh, I guess my question for him really would just be about expansion. How far are we actually going to go? Are we going to go to 32? Mm -hmm. Are we stopping there? I know it's hard to predict, but I think that'd be a good question for Don. And you're right, though. Las Vegas is on the forefront of everyone's mind, whether it's the NBA, whether it's now Major League Baseball with a franchise move in there, whatnot. Pablo? Uh, two questions. The first one is very quick. It would be, why won't you bring back the 35-yard shootout? Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> the second one is bigger picture. You know, I think, um, you know, you have uh, the World Cup of 2026. You have Messi here. You have Copa America, Club World Cup, uh, probably the Women's World Cup in 2025, the Olympics, Messi, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, MLS for the almost 30 years of his, its existence, 25, 30 years, has frequently spoken about being a league of choice and achieving some sort of mainstream relevance, which it increasingly has, right? That is that is undeniable. undeniable. But Agreed. at the same time, it, it, it still is not at the level it needs to be notoriety-wise, financially. And I would just very much um, ask him this, you know, if MLS can't achieve that with all of those boosters in place, World Cups and all this other stuff, and it's 2027, and MLS is still the same plane it is now, what then, you know? But but who knows? And to Sasha's point, yeah, you got to ask about expansion. I'm of the opinion that as long as there are rich dudes out there paying half a billion dollars for teams, they're going to find a way to keep expanding. Are you going to see like MLS 1, MLS 2, MLS 3, whatever, um, you know, in Las Vegas, as soon as there's a dude out there rich enough to build an indoor stadium for soccer, They'll get a team like that, you know? So, yeah, 
Uh, mostly the shootout thing, though. I'd really hold them to the fire on Me that too. one. <laughs> Me too. No, Bring Pablo, it... I would be very disappointed because they had the shootout before I joined the league, and then if yeah. they add it after I'm done playing, I would be very disappointed. It's a come Pablo, out, a, come Sasha would have juggled yeah. the whole way down. He would have juggled the whole way down <laughs> yeah, and made yeah. it about him, made it about Instagram. It would have been <laughs> uh, Instagram. It would have been, been only about Sasha, and then they would have gone, uh, dude, you only got five seconds. It's yeah. five seconds. Stop juggling. Yeah. <laughs> He's got his social Pablo media manager Sasha, out there thanks, filming him, you know. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, guys. Thanks, boys. I appreciate it. Thanks, Taylor. As promised early on, Don Garber. Now, I met with him right before the playoffs started in New York City for a conversation that you're about to hear. The conversation that was also on Messi Meets America on Apple TV+. Plus. I wanted to ask him about what's changed this year, the big and the little things, but also what made 2023 a special season. For me on a personal level, Don, it's always great to start the season in your office and to end the season in your office. We start the year always with what to expect. Yet 2023, as we get into this, some things happen that were unthinkable, like Lionel Messi in his introduction, is we're sitting in your office at the end of the 2023 season How's the season gone from your perspective? You know, Tom, I'm going to start with the end of 22 mm -hmm. and the World Cup, which really helped take this sport, as it always does, into the living rooms and the lives of people that weren't necessarily engaged with uh, the great sport of soccer and football. And think of where we started the league with a brand new team in St. Louis that now is mm -hmm. has an expansion record that's unrivaled. We had 82,000 people at the Rose Bowl for our, our uh, fun and exciting El Trafico game with the Galaxy and uh, LAFC. We had Charlotte come in with a, a record crowd and then end with 66,000 for uh, a messy game. And then we kicked off this incredible partnership with Apple. And that partnership has transformed our league and I mm -hmm. think is one of the great stories in sports. Uh, and then Messi comes. And it, it's <laughs> fair to say that I don't think anybody was thinking about that when we were launching the league uh, in in the beginning of the season. So it's been a great year. It's been a year of record attendance. There's been a year of great thrills and great stories, but it will always be known, I think, as the year that Lionel Messi decided that he was going to come to Major League Soccer. It's amazing because you and I were in this building, in this office, February 24th, and we're talking about the excitement of Apple TV. We're talking about St. Louis and just the excitement around that. When Messi says he's going to sign with Major League Soccer and Inter Miami, what does that do to you? But more importantly, what does that do as a commissioner of saying, whoa, 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 this was not on my list of expectation on February 24th. Now we've got basically a rocket ship to the moon. You know, I think it says a lot about MLS Tower, right? Yeah. There are things that I think are happening that are driven by the momentum of what everybody wanted Major League Soccer to be. And all this expectation as to where would this league sit in the world of global soccer? Uh, where would we be in terms of our relevance in cities and these incredible stadiums that are being built? Truth be told, uh, and I think you've all heard the story, we found out that Leo decided he was coming to Major League Soccer when I had a press conference in Spain. <laughs> and we're sitting around in the office and said, what? Did you guys just hear what we heard? And obviously there's a long backstory <laughs> to getting to that point, but it just speaks to the global nature of it. It speaks to the fact that only Messi 
could announce. What was your immediate to, reaction? Doug? It was, Honestly, hey, hey was I think your... this is going to be pretty cool. And let's buckle up because it's going to be a ride. And it's been a ride from that day forward. I think it'll be a ride for the next couple of years. The best days for the league are ahead. I think the best stories, the best drama, the best experience of what this is going to mean to the league is in front of us. And that's what makes sports great. It's the unexpected moments. That's why we're sports fans. Things happen that can't be scripted. And I think what makes the messy MLS story in 2023 so special is he delivered in ways that nobody could have imagined. Mm -hmm. It's not just that he came in. It's not just that there were a lot of jerseys sold. It's not just that attendances were remarkable. It's not the celebrities that showed up to games. It's the fact that you have a transformational athlete that is the way he is because of what he does on the field, deliver for fans in ways where truth is just so much better than fiction. And when he lines up for that free kick, I turned around and didn't want to watch that. I turned to all those people in the box and I said, we deserve this. And I didn't watch it. And then all of a sudden, I see behind me, oh, you know, yeah. the crowd erupting and everybody's hugging and everybody's excited. And then I ran over to David, who was crying. And that was the culmination of 10 plus years of work to try to build to something that'll be part of the history of our league, the history of soccer in America. I think it'll be part of the history of global football, and it's fun to be a part of it. How do you, how does Major League Soccer measure Lionel Messi's impact? I'm asked this all the time. I don't know that answer. I don't know if we will know that answer, but you've been very good at what you do. How does Major League Soccer measure the impact of Lionel Messi? Yeah, you know, Taylor, I think if you were to ask David Stern, how would he have measured yep. Michael when he was a good winning championships? So you were to ask Gary Bettman what Wayne Gretzky meant, meant to the National Hockey League or, you know, the PGA Tour Commissioner, what Tiger meant. I don't know that any of us could answer that in this moment of time because history will judge that. Yep. And uh, our history will evolve over time as it has for those transformational athletes. Uh, but you can't depend on an individual player uh, to deliver what you really need to make pro sports work, which are teams that matter, players uh, that matter, memorable moments that matter, like the League's Cup Championship and mm -hmm. the final for the U.S. Open Cup with Miami. Not winning that will be part of what they'll talk about in their locker room. The injury to Messi and, in essence, losing out on the playoffs. I think the whole world thought that they were going to win every game. Yep. And that thrill of victory and that agony of defeat is part of what makes sports special. Uh, and I look forward to those moments. I probably won't be here when those stories are told, but I can't wait to see what the next couple of years are going to look like at the most important time for the sport in our country with the World Cup in 2026, the first World Cup that'll be across three countries yep. with Copa America being here and the best player in the world playing for Argentina in Copa America, taking off his Inter-Miami jersey and putting on the blue and white of Argentina, a player that's won the, the Golden Ball Award, yep. the best player in the world in 2023 playing in Major League Soccer. Yep. So who knows? But I think that's what's going to make it so special. You said the most important thing from my perspective as an ex-player. He is 36 years old, leaving Inter-Miami, going to World Cup qualifying in South America and still contributing at a high level. This is no retirement tour. This is nothing. He's still that guy. I'm asked a lot, 
2023 MLS Cup playoffs. Inter-Miami's not in it. Is it good or bad for MLS? I said it's good. You know, listen, I, I, I say I, it's good. I, and no, nobody in my seat is ever going to talk about what teams should be or shouldn't be in the playoffs, right? I think there was a great story about uh, having him take his team from worst to first. But guess what? What FC Cincinnati has done by going from worst to first is a great story for our league. It shows that any fan in any market can have the hope and expectation in the beginning of the season that my team, though they missed the playoffs, though they really were one of the worst expansion teams from the beginning, can be the best team and win our supporter shield. So I focus more on that. Tim, let me get back, if I can, to a a messy story. You asked me about one one of those moments, and I haven't told this story before publicly, but I've told it a lot internally to my staff. At the U.S. Open Cup final, obviously Leo was on the sidelines, and he's in a box next to the owner box, and everybody's watching the game, and I'm sure most people in that box wanted Miami Mm -hmm. to lift another trophy. And the last 10 minutes were incredible. You know, Miami scores, and the expectation of Messi doing something magical was on everybody's, not Messi, the team doing something magical without uh, Messi was, was really everybody's expectation. And I watched him in those last five minutes. I've never seen this in an athlete any time in my life. While Jordy was jumping up uh, out of his seat, while David was taking issue with an official, uh, a company <laughs> official, Messi's eyes were wide open and there was a calm to him. Yep. There was a focus that is part of what is happening inside him that only the great ones have. It was a compartmentalizing the emotion that you see on the field that he's able to do where he was thinking about what needed to happen and how could it happen without having to yell and scream at his players or at the official or get into it like he was a fan. It's almost like his pupils were dilated and he was in the zone. And the great athletes have that. Watch Tiger when Tiger was at his best and he had that. Watch Michael when he was doing what he was doing and he had that. And that to me was a moment that I have told more people about that story than I've told about meeting him and chatting with him and meeting his family, those things. I've done a lot of that over the years. But seeing what makes great, great. In their element. In in the moment is something that I hope, I think Kremeski said it right when he was interviewed. They said, how does, uh, what what did Leo say to you? Uh, What kind of advice did he give you? And he said, look more, run less. I mean, a lot of players should run less and look more. Uh, I remember, I'll remember that quote forever. Um, what is what is the ownership meetings been like since Messi's been here? I'm just curious. Well, it's been a lot of Jorge Mas standing up and saying, you know, you must believe that this league actually is able to attract the best player in the world. And if we can do that in Miami, and we're only a couple of years old, imagine what you can do in L.A., in New York, in Cincinnati, in St. Louis, in Austin, in Houston— there isn't a city in the world that can attract some of the best players in the world. And what I think is happening and has been discussed at the around the ownership uh, table is that as people are reaching out to Messi and reaching out to Sergio Busquets and reaching out to Jordi Alba, reaching out to David and reaching out to Jorge Mas and saying, hey, I'm seeing what's happening in the U.S. I'm seeing what the path to the World Cup is going to look like. I'm seeing the experience that Messi's been able to have and transform a mm-hmm. club, I want to be a part of that. And that's happened in its own way over the years, but I think now it's 
super energized. And there's a lot of talk about how do you manage that? Do our roster rules allow us to accommodate for that? How do we handle some of the things that are going on where we have teams that have attracted 70,000, 60, 80,000, where we'd have one-offs of those, but I would imagine any team that's playing in a large stadium that's playing against Inter-Miami is going to sell out. We're going to sell out every game that he's going to be on, on the road, but ways that are sort of driving a business dynamic that's different than we had in the past. I sense a new energy from you. Not to say yours was negative or old, but it's new. You've always been new and in, in, in forward thinking. Is it pressure or privilege that Messi's in your league now? It's absolute privilege. You know, you want to be part of history. Right? I think that's why we're in the sports business. You know, there are, I tell people who work here, it's rare that you can combine your avocation and your vocation. You really love sport and you can work every day in our business. And it's not an easy business, as you know. I mean, this is a complicated business. We are still an emerging league. We're mm -hmm. still a startup after 27 years, which is unusual in the world of business. We still have an enormous amount of work to do and every decision almost seems like it's existential. And every meeting, talk about owners meetings, we're trying to think about how do you operate in a global market? Mm -hmm. All of the leagues here in America are closed markets. You know, you're gonna play baseball for the most part. And yep. Maybe you'll play in Japan, but the most part you're playing in MLB. Yep. Here we've got to operate in a world where there are no borders. That's a blessing, but it's also a challenge. So. I think it is an absolute thrill to be part of the league with Messi in it. I did feel that way when I met with Zlatan and yep. he talked to me in the third person and <laughs> was uh, in, in entertaining us in our meetings. I felt that way when I met David and talked to him about why MLS would be right for him and yep. for his family at a time when our league was really young. And each one of those experiences have been special. And I think there will be something after Messi. I don't know who that is, yep. you know, um, yep. but it's going to be somebody because it's been somebody over the last 20 plus years. You should do interviews in third person, the ways a lot of time does. Um, I want to go back to the league because I love the fact that you used FC Cincinnati as an example because it was a real struggle for them when they came into Major League Soccer. Let's go with the expansion team this year, St. Louis City. They decided to wait one year to get to 2023. You and I have spent many moments talking about expectations for them off the field, but I'm actually curious from your soccer brain, have they exceeded your expectations on the field because they exceeded mine? You know, it's funny, Taylor. I, I think more about the whole experience okay. than I do what they did on the field, right? I think it's a great story for our system mm -hmm. that if you have the right focus, the right coach, the right technical strategy, if you are really thoughtful about how you're managing your roster, you're making good decisions. In our league, you're rewarded for those decisions, yep. and they were rewarded. Toronto was penalized for making bad decisions, and I think that's what sports should be about, right? Mm -hmm. We're very different from the other football leagues, soccer leagues around the world. Yep. Spend more, win more, right? We are, be smarter, yep. you know, have a better system, uh, be more thoughtful, and then ultimately you'll be able to win. And from the very beginning, the Taylor family, when we first met them, and it's like an iceberg, you know, years and years and years and years of work. And you've been at press events with me 10 years ago yep. when we were meeting with governors Amazing. and mayors in St. Louis. All that work happens underneath the launch of the team and then what happens on the field. I think what's interesting, too, though, is since you've been commissioner of this league when it comes to expansion, the two cities that have always been mentioned for you, St. Louis 
San Diego. San Diego now is going to have a team. They've come out with certain things. They're, they're going to eventually come out with a training facility. Does St. Louis success give you real good hope for what San Diego is going to be? Because those two cities have consistently been said since you've been commissioner for 20 plus years, we've got to have major league soccer franchises in those two cities. You know, I can tell I'm, I'm going to actually take it a step back. You yeah. know, think about when you played in the league and, and I came in, there were 12 teams. There were major cities where we did not have teams. You know, we, we did not have a team in New York City. We yeah. do now. We'd have a team in Portland. We didn't have a team in Seattle. I mean, I, unfortunately, most of them, right? When most of the major it's markets, we didn't have teams. We didn't have a team in Austin. We had to get a team in Houston. And so all of them were part of the foundation of having a proper league. Yeah. And when you think about the major leagues in the United States, they all have 30 or 32 teams. And we're just now gonna, in 25, we'll have 30 teams. We, we still probably have a couple teams to go before we are as large as the largest teams in North America. But I don't think of St. Louis any different than I think of San Diego or Cincinnati or yeah. any other market. You know, you have to have teams and markets where ultimately fans can engage and be part of sharing the experience of loving a team and living through the experience of a, of, of a mother and a father and their son and daughter growing up with mm -hmm. a club like you grew up as a sports fan in St. Louis. So that team was a particular project because it is a place which is one of the birthplaces of soccer in America, the U.S. in 1950 beating England and all those players coming from the hill and yep. uh, speaking to Yogi Berra about what it was like <laughs> to be a better soccer player than a, a baseball player and all that stuff. Yep. You can't imagine you're not going to be in St. Louis and to have what we have now, downtown stadium and a winning club is great. And San Diego has got a lot of work to do. They just launched their brand. We have a Native American tribe as a partner with an Egyptian owner. Mm -hmm. uh, think about the new America. Think about that press conference where the Egyptian owner gets up and says, it's very rare that I could stand up and welcome somebody into my family who's been around longer than my people have been around. And the Sequans have been in our country for thousands and thousands of years. That's local at, you know, the best you can be. And we've been able to connect those ownership groups into something that I think will be really, really special. We're at the end of the first season with Apple TV. And I think it was a great time for this league to go for it. To go for it where this league is treated with the, I would say, energy and forward-thinking ability of saying, we're going to take this thing to the top. It's the end of the first year. Give me your thoughts. How's well, the relationship I, th been? Th this is the right time that say nobody really understands what's happening here. Yep. Uh, the sports industry does. You know, yesterday I was at a uh, a sports business conference. The commissioners were there. All the heads of the networks were there. Everybody's talking about Apple TV. There is not another league in the world that has a global broadcast agreement. So that when we're putting uh, a game on uh, Apple TV on MLS season past, whether you're in Rosario, whether you're in Rio, whether you're in Kansas City, whether you're in London, whether you're in Munich, anywhere in the world, you could watch that game. I, I had lunch with a sports banker today who is a big fan of hockey and played hockey in college. He said, I, I can't watch my game at my country house out west here in the United States. Yep. And he's able to watch MLS season pass no matter where he is around the world and he's a world traveler. So the first thing is, 
the global nature of it, which is unprecedented. Yep. And I think that's what's going to happen in almost every league or global league in the years to come. And we'll be the, the ones who laid that groundwork. But you also have a partnership with the most innovative and technologically advanced company in the world. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of like Messi coming into MLS, the best player in the world. Now you have the best technology company getting into live sports for the first time. I think it's the combination of those two things that gives you something that I think will be transformational, will be groundbreaking, and will deliver for our fans, both with the player, with our new teams, but also with a, a media partner that will uh, be transformational for us. It's why I said it was the combination of all the things this year that were, were happening that will make that memorable year for our league's history. I love the fact that I'm sitting in your office at the end of 2023 when we think about 24, 25, and 26 in this country. And for the majority of it, you're going to be at the forefront of it. Major League Soccer is going to be at the forefront of it. What do you do to maximize that opportunity, Don? You know, when you take a look back, my earliest, my first year was 1999. The league was a couple years old. Um, we, I, I knew the 24 business- 24 years ago, by the way. <laughs> was not sustainable. I, the league was operating teams. So, you know, we had a guy who would go from one office to the other and make trades with himself. You know, we had rules where we had... I would have been so good know, at that job, by the way. And I just felt that there were things that needed to happen to actually put us on the path to capitalize on what a great future would be. Build yeah. a soccer nation, right? And that was always our theme. And over years with new teams, with new stadiums, with players that have come that have been memorable players and the U.S. men doing really well in the World Cup and the excitement of the women winning multiple championships, all leading up to what I think will be the three most important years in the history of the sport in our country. I agree. And what we've done over that period of time is build our country into a soccer nation that matters. And that was our goal. We said, if people care about soccer, then they're going to care about our teams because we'll have a lot of teams and the tide will rise and we'll have a lot of boats on the rising tide. Well, now the tide is like a roaring mm -hmm. river and we've become sort of the most important market for the world of global football. That's attracted the World Cup here in 26, come the ball for coming here in uh, 24, FIFA having their Club World Cup. Yep. It's expanded format for the first time here in the United States. And that is going to give us a broader platform to be able to shout to the world that, you know, we Yanks, we kind of get it. You know, give us an opportunity to have the right infrastructure, have the right investors. We'll do it differently. Yep. It'll be the North American version of the global game. We have different rules. We don't have promotion relegation, but if you give us the right tools, we just can't do anything other than succeed or we will just cease to exist. And I think the path over the next two years is going to be the rocket fuel that powers that. And our entire enterprise, our players, our clubs, our teams, uh, our league office, our federation is all going to work together to try to be sure that when people think about one of the great soccer leagues in the world, they'll think about MLS. One of the great soccer ma markets in the world, they'll think of the U.S. and Canada. And ultimately, a league that is, can develop some of the great players in the world. The Kremeskis who've come up yep. from a youth club yep. to the second team, to the first team, to our national team and hopefully becomes a big star in Major League Soccer. I mean, Benji Kramaskis used the entire pathway to become a pro, and now he's playing with the greatest of all time. Uh, 2024 will be your 25th year doing this. 
<laughs> 25 years you've been doing this. Will you do it much longer? No. No. I mean, I'll do it for longer, but I don't know how you define much. 25 years is a long time. 25 years is remarkable. When you took this job in 1999, if I would have told you then you're going to do this for 25 years, I have a feeling you would have slapped me. Yeah, I mean, I think about life in, when I was younger in three-year increments. When I worked at the NFL, I had a different job every three years. I advise young people to do that all the time, right? So I think that, you know, young people have taken advantage that they have jobs for three months as opposed to three years. But, you know, I never thought I'd be doing this for as long as I, as I have. It, it is still a startup mentality, Teller. You know the people who work here. They believe in the league. They live and die for the growth of Major League Soccer. They've committed their lives to it. It's an unusual dynamic where most of the senior people have been here their whole careers. They've grown up through all the trials and tribulations of building a league from scratch. And we take pride in that. And our owners take pride in that. Some of them I brought in when they've, you know, that 10, 15, 20 years ago, it's hard to imagine that we're all still here. But the, the, the future has got to be the next generation of of people that are going to take the league forward. I say when this. When will you know personally? Though, I don't have when any. When will you know? I don't have any answer. I, I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. I can't answer that. But I will tell you this. I think people need to know. I say this to players all the time. There is a graceful time to recognize that, you know, don't do this until you're, I mean, think of those players. That you, we've talked about this, oh, Joe. Yes, those players that just do it a couple of years too long because they, I mean, soccer players with shorts to work. Yep. And then they come into, and we hire a lot of them, as you know, hundreds of them. And at 30 or 31 or 35, they got to get a job. Well, if you've been wearing shorts to work every day and you can wake up when you want, you go to practice yeah. and somebody's cooking you your meals and you don't have to worry about much other than being good as an athlete, that's a hard transition to life. And you probably know we work hard with our players to help them in that transition. But there is always a time for the next generation of people, I think this way with our owners, we brought in a whole new young ownership group because they'll be the ones for the next generation that'll take it forward. That's it for today. My flight leaves in about three and a half hours. I need to get going. I am counting down the hours until Saturday. MLS Cup Final on Apple TV. Thanks to Pablo and Sasha for joining us today. Great insight from those guys. And I appreciate Don Garber for giving us 15 minutes as well. We will be back with one more episode early next week recapping the final plus a special final segment thanks a lot to producer peter for finally coming to fruition the roast of taylor twelman with no family members involved you're an asshole peter see you then offside with taylor twelman is a major league soccer podcast produced by apple tv and rain delay media our executive producers are peter moses and john yales john was our editor Michael Janot was our engineer. Jonah Buchanan was our associate producer. Iggy Monda and Jonah were our researchers. Music was composed by Brian Decker, and I'm your host, Taylor Twalman. Follow and listen on Apple Podcasts. We're joined by the Athletics Pablo Maurer and retaining. We're joined by Athletics Pablo Maurer. Oh my God, I can't say his name. Sorry, John, for that edit, but dear God, I can't say Pablo Maurer. Maurer, 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 Maurer.